Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to grow your business and take it to the next level. Today, I'm very excited to have not one, but two guests. First, Dr. Anne Dranisaris and Heather Dranisaris Hilliard. Let me tell you about these two exciting women. Dr. Anne Dranisaris and, Hel- and Heather Dranisaris Hilliard, a mother-daughter team, bring wealth of knowledge, insight, experience to a work to their work with individual clients and client organizations whether it's by teaching leaders how to lead and engage their people dismantling dysfunctions caused by misalignment of efforts or leaders egos oh, there's never any of that <laughs> helping individuals empower themselves by breaking free from imposter syndrome for codependent dysfunctional patterns, we take people and organizations beyond the limits of self-defeating behavior. Anne and Heather are co-founders of Dranisaris Hilliard Caliber Leadership Systems and the Striving Styles Personality System. They are also co-creators of Striving Styles Oh, no, I already did that. So sorry. They're dedicated to empowering individual leaders, organizations to achieve their potential by leveraging their expertise in the neurobiology, oh, this is something I don't know about, of human development. So that's neurobiology of human development combined with a system thinking approach. Anne and Heather worked with thousands of leaders and individuals from around the world, been featured in dozens of publications, spoken at professional conferences, and written series of books on personality type with the brain based on the striving styles and MBTI. I'm so excited about this. Power up your innate potential is our theme. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Anne Dranisaris and Heather Dranisaris Hilliard. I'm so excited because I did personality um, systems when I was younger. <laughs> I love doing it. I love discovering things about people. So I'm so excited about this. I always start with an easy question. So tell our audience, where do the two of you live? Do you live in the same city? 
<laughs> Actually, right now we're living in the same city because I'm spending a couple of our winter Canadian winter months with uh, Heather on Vancouver Island. In uh -huh. um, but I usually, uh, I live just north of Toronto in Ontario. Oh, very yes, nice. Unfortunately, I'm just avoiding a mild winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to be close to your dog. Yes, it, it has been wonderful. Yes. Well, I'm very familiar with both those places. Love both of those places. So, okay. Yes. So I gave this great background about all the wonderful things the two of you have uh, accomplished. But who are you though personally you know your mom and daughter how did you how did you decide to go and work together and be this dynamic duo we have um we have a little bit of an unusual story because i actually met ann when i was 27 because ann actually had me just shy of her 17th birthday and i was uh placed for adoption so i grew up in an adoptive family an adoptive oh. uh, environment and Anne and I reunited uh, when I was 27. Um, and what we found is we met for the first time. So it's a little bit different from your typical mother-daughter. You know, yeah. we don't have that sort of dynamic of I grew up with you and, you know, we had to work through those sorts of things. <laughs> we had to, we were forging our relationship and we found that we shared a real interest in understanding kind of what makes people tick and why do they behave the way they do. Um, I was working in a consulting environment in a human resources consulting environment. Uh, Anne was working as an executive coach and therapist at the time. Um, and about three years, I think about three years in after a meeting, we decided to kind of combine our different perspectives and skill sets and start our business. And so we're uh, coming up on our 25th uh, anniversary of our business later this year. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. So so how how did you seek out i know this isn't this is going off track a little bit but how did you how did you seek out your mom i think that's always such a interesting journey well i i was about to get married and so i thought it was a good time to sort of go in and get medical records and you know <laughs> <laughs> we might have kids and maybe I should know a little bit of my sort of story of origin, my background. Um, and actually, it was super simple, um, fortunately for me, because Anne and my paternal grandmother were both registered uh, with the adoption oh. agency. And so as soon as I wrote in requesting information, they were like, da -da -da -da. OK, we've let them know that you've got reached out to us. But it's been phenomenal. The journey has been incredible. And uh, yeah, we've, uh, you know, like I said, here we are years later and and just found that I would say it's, uh, you know, because we had such a common interest um, and I wasn't looking for a mother, we found a way to navigate, I think, that was really unique to Anne and I. Um, so what is the Striving Styles personality system? Well, it was, it was it's very interesting how the Striving Styles was born because Heather and I, as Heather mentioned, we come, came from two different places. And so in combining our work together, we were doing a lot of leadership assessment. And this was back at a time where emotional intelligence was just coming on the scene. Yeah. And so, so we were doing this person, the Myers-Briggs personality assessment, and we were doing a... Um, 
an emotional intelligence assessment. And then we were doing this other leadership skills assessment. And, you know, and clients were paying a lot of money to have multiple assessments. And through a number of different um, external prompters, including Oprah, Oprah Magazine contacting uh, me and asking if I would write an article mm. on who are you meant to be, um, we decided that we would put together a system that combined the emotional drivers of human behavior as well as psychological type and the, the Young's functions of the brain, the same thing Myers-Briggs is based on. Yeah. And write leadership reports based on the brain's organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, going along with that theory that, yeah. you, you know, if the brain functions in a certain way, we're going to like certain things, we're going to need certain things, we're going to act a certain way in, in, our, in our relationships, at work, as employees, or as leaders. And, and so really we, we took a lot of information and brought it down to a much deeper place in the striving style system than the Myers-Briggs goes. Hmm. That's awesome. I, I, you know, I, I'm familiar with Myers-Briggs and I always thought there, if you only ask for the Myers-Briggs, it, it, to me, it only just gave you part of the picture. Yes. And that always frustrated me so much that yeah. when I had to not hire somebody because of the score of this and other gut feelings that I had about that person <laughs> told me that they would be great to be hired. Yes. So that's yes. so interesting. Part of what we were looking at too is we we had a lot of questions. We were going through the Myers-Briggs and we had clients who were behaving in a particular way and it really didn't go after the why. Like why do mm-hmm. they behave like this? Even though it's counter to their best interest, even though they know they should be doing something differently. But also more importantly, it's sort of how do we, what's the actual path for their development based on their brain style? And and that for this, the story that I always use for me was that, you you know, I'm, you know, in Myers-Briggs language, I'm an ENTP and my score for using my feeling function was zero. (laughs) And the way that showed up is I would rather get up in front of a thousand people and give a speech and then talk one-on-one sharing personal details about me. And in fact, when I had to do that, you know, and I'd get all uncomfortable and my voice would drop into my throat and I could feel my face get red. And, and so what was it about my personality that I needed to develop and, and what was the path? Because I couldn't avoid those situations or going into storytelling. Um, and so as soon as I realized that it was the connection to the feeling function, which is what the striving styles explains, and that there's activity you go into that can start to build up new neural pathways to allow you to access that particular part of your brain. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a way where in my conditioning, I didn't get a lot of development of that neural path between my feeling function and my intuitive function. Mm-hmm. So I started doing, um, you know, again, as Anne and I sort of looked at it, sort of doing things that put me out of my comfort zone, talking to strangers in an elevator, talking to the <laughs> checkout person, things that I would never do because I had a zero on my feeling function. So now fast forward, because I did that work and it wasn't, you know, it was uncomfortable at first and then it got more comfortable and I built that path. And now I can share stories about myself mm. without watching my voice drop. And, and that was what we were really looking for with the striving styles, that ability to truly hone in on, okay, what do you need to do developmentally to close some of these gaps that you're struggling with? Yeah. 
Gosh, that that so ties to what I do to help people get overcome their fear of public speaking, because it, I always say it's like peeling the onion. You know, this is what you're telling me, but what is it really? <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of things, and and so so very very true. Now, when you work with, do you work with mostly corporations, or how can you help the entrepreneur that's out there that that's you know their livelihood is is their ability to be able to connect and and have relationships with people and understanding their personality i think would be huge well and, and as as they say we create in our own image and it's the same um, thing entrepreneurs do that if their brain is organized in a certain way that's how they will naturally build an organization and so we take Heather's example of the ENTP which is one of the most common entrepreneurs and they don't like hierarchies they don't like following their own systems they like to be in development all the time and putting themselves out there and they like to be their employees friends yeah. and, and not be particularly directed and so you take that personality mm -hmm type as an entrepreneur and you can determine what challenges their business will have uh, as a result of how they they like to lead and and it's not just for them you take the ESTJ that you know more often is found in in hierarchies mm -hmm. and you challenge them to innovate in their organization they will have a heck of a time stepping out of their mm -hmm. comfort zone and they're going to need a different type of help but because we work, we like we like to work with entrepreneurs. We're entrepreneurs ourselves, and so it really suits us. But but we build a team of people around them with different striving styles um, to meet the needs of the business, separating out those you know the entrepreneurs' needs themselves and what the business needs from its people. And it needs systems. The bigger it gets, the more it needs people who can hold their employees accountable, develop people in a really structured, sustained fashion. So it so helps in the hiring process, it helps in the development process. Yeah, yeah, and it's we, not, not, I like you, oh, you know, we get along, <laughs> it's not gonna hire you. Yeah, but they, I always used to say, well, I like them as a person, I just don't wanna work with them. <laughs> <laughs> So why do we disconnect from our authentic self so often? <laughs> well, we, we look at it from the, the perspective of, you know, we come into this world with all of those unique abilities and talents and gifts that are wired into our brain. And then we go through this extensive period of conditioning right yeah. where we get messaging about what is right and what is wrong what is you know sort of from that judgment perspective you know it could be our cultural conditioning it could be sort of what went on in our our family upbringing and as a result of that we end up sort of moving away and developing sort of up and away outside of what is our true self and it takes more work then as a result to sort of find it and rediscover it and connect with it and what we find, we talk about this a lot, there's a lot of folks that, that we work with in our practice, both mm -hmm. individually and we work with organizations where, you know, they will say things like, I don't really like myself or, you know, I don't feel like, you know, going with the imposter syndrome, right? Like mm -hmm. I have pervasive thoughts of I'm not good enough or mm -hmm. that I have to tone it down. I have to mute it. I have to, you know, there are all these things that we've learned 
that somehow keeps us from actually stepping into the power of our authentic self. And, mm. and we use the striving styles in part to help guide people through that, right. To, you know, sort of see where, what they are born for based mm. on their brain organization and then how they leverage that in order to really live in a more authentic way within mm. their lives. And so I go back to my example I gave around me, I grew up with two very introverted uh, adoptive parents. And, and so, you know, in, in my childhood, it was, there was not a lot of exposure from a, not a relational social, there was, mm-hmm. you know, things that I would do sort of within my community of friends, but not at that real interpersonal sort of level. Um, and so it was just never developed in me. It's part of my personality. It's my third brain function. Lots of people with my style who, who had different conditioning developed up differently in terms of their use of it. But if I want to really achieve my potential and live my authentic life, I have to be able to use all four functions of my brain, not just the one or two that come easily. And so, so this is part of the the work that we do to really help people to get reconnected with that and really start to move away from their, some of the struggles around the imposter syndrome. Oh my goodness. So how do you get to know the mechanics of your mind? That how, how do you know? Well, this part is working fine, but those other three are, you know, out to lunch. Well, and the, this is the the wonderful thing about uh, having a map of the br- functions of the brain, and and the, the, they're they're simply functions. It's not who we are, and each personality and each human being can use the functions differently, but they're purposeful. Mm-hmm. And when, the thing that, that is always we always say about it is if you don't learn to use your functions, your functions will use you. And so you'll get stuck using the functions that you prefer. And one, one of the things that we added that the Myers-Briggs doesn't talk about is the fact that human beings have two separate systems. And one system is for protecting us. And, and that's a system that we find ourselves adapting all the time so that we don't get in trouble and so mm. people will like us. And and, if, and and each of the striving styles, if you know what the function is, you can, you, you can identify those behaviors of when somebody is acting for, in a self-protective way or they're acting authentically. Mm. Take, for example, I'll go back to the ESTJ because we love to use them. (laughs) They like to be, they have a need to be in control. That's their emotional need. And it's wonderful when they're at work and they're leading their organization and they're making sure everything works and all the systems and people in it are working in alignment. But if they go home and do their relationship with their partner and their children, it's not going to work yeah. because, um, you know, in Heather's example too, they, if all they're using, they never get a chance to, to really exercise that other part of their brain because that one makes them feel powerful. And the other side of the brain with the less developed functions, mm-hmm. they don't like the way it makes them feel. It doesn't meet their need to be in control. And, and so if they don't have experiences of being vulnerable, they're just self-protective most of the time. And you can really see it as leaders, they become autocratic, for example. Mm. You know, it's a patriarchal family, the, the paternalistic or patriarchal father 
who won't let the, the wife and kids do anything without his permission. You, you know, mm-hmm. and it shows itself in that way that there's no softness. It's just all business. Oh, wow. I think I've met those people. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you mean by giving your power away? It's it's something that we 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 do and we we don't even realize that 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 we're doing it, right? It's like when you know, I'm let's say I'm in an interaction even with my spouse, right? And I'm uh, there's something that I want and then, but I'll ask him what he wants. Right. And it's like in that moment, I'm giving away my power to decide, right. I'm saying mm-hmm. to him, oh, we'll go with whatever you decide as opposed to what I decide. And, and, and we, we watch our clients do this all the time in, in their leadership roles, entrepreneurs do it as well, where, you know, they get so focused on, you know, keeping other people happy or, you know, trying to to keep the peace and not rock the boat or, you know, not really knowing, uh, you know, not having the skills to do something like manage the performance of their people. And in the process, they start acting like they are powerless because in essence, what they've said is my employee is more powerful than I am. They get to do whatever they want to do. I'm not going to correct them. Or, you know, I can't say this to my boss because I might get in trouble. And so, in that moment, we've handed our, our power over to, you know, be it our peers, whoever it is. And, um, you, you know, for some of the personality types in particular, it, it it's really problematic because we just, it's like, it starts to be almost a habit, right? And we're not recognizing it, not thinking about, okay, in this moment, am I acting with my own authority or did I hand my authority over to somebody else? And and now I'm following them. And, um, and so that's the... A lot of the work that we've been doing in the last few years, we talk a lot about permissiveness in leadership in organizations. And, and that's just a really great example of, you know, leaders who are giving their power away, letting the employees decide, not telling the employees, this is the way I want it done, uh, letting the employees make decisions under that notion of, well, I have to empower my employees. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't mean you don't lead them. It doesn't mean you don't yeah. direct them, that you don't define them. And and so anytime we do that, where I want something or I'm, I'm trying to get to a particular outcome, but I defer it or I over collaborate or I wait for somebody else, I'm essentially giving my power away in that moment. And As you were just, go no, 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 that's fine. I'll hold my so I just wanted to add to that. You, you know, when a person has given their power away when they're complaining, uh. and I find that a lot with leaders and in marriages where they um, I can complain about my husband till the cows come home to my girlfriend, but I'm giving my power away to my husband by not saying anything to him in the same way a leader will, oh my God, these entitled employees, I can't get them to do anything. Yeah. And then you find out they haven't given any expectations. <laughs> they're, not, they're not training them. They're not mm-hmm. holding them accountable, you see. And, and so complaining is a real symptom of people who have given their power away because they're not looking for solutions. They just want to complain. Mm. So I, I, as you were talking about that, I think it's also a life lesson for parents too mm-hmm. because, <laughs> you know, yes. the, the parents are sometimes trying to be the friend or there being the person that will always be right and, and no room. It, it seems like it's a, 
almost a, a fine line you have to crop to to maintain that if you're too soft or too hard you know you have to find that happy medium and and it does adjust do we talk about this with employees as well is it, it's it's fluid too because you have to take into consideration where the child is at in their own development and so while you know, being really, you know, directive and explicit about, you know, you know, don't touch the hot stove, right, is appropriate at, you know, a certain age, it's no longer appropriate as they head into their late teens, right, and where, mm -hmm. you know, your style has to still give them room. And we say the same thing with employees where, you yeah. know, leaders, again, they're trying to do it out of the part that they're most comfortable with of their, their leadership style and they're not really considering, oh, actually, I need to instruct this person. I need to give them direction. Like I know for me with my style, I tend to give information, no direction. And so I'm always having to go, okay, I gave you the information. Now I need to direct you, right? So it's a two-step <laughs> process in my brain because I'm not giving you anything to follow if I don't yeah. move into giving you that direction. Um, but as they move further in their development and in terms of their performance and their capability, their level of mastery, I don't need to be as directive. It's more about how I coach them. It's more about how I you know, really support them to continue to perform and, and develop that performance. And so it, it the, that thing about having to be more fluid in, in our styles and our approaches, and I, you know, a lot in leadership, much like parenting, we don't develop the skills, right? No one yeah. teaches us. Yeah. Um, there's no required courses to be a leader or to be a parent. And so everybody does the best they can with what their personality kind of equips them with, right? Right. So what I find too is that a lot of leaders will find one style that they're comfortable with, not realizing that person A needs this style and person B needs this style and person C needs, you know, it, it isn't one size fits all. It's easier to just do it the one way, but it, it's not as effective yes. if you don't look at and see what personalities they have as well as yours. Well, and it's such an important point, Vicki, because, you know, as with the striving styles, if, if you look at development from a needs-based approach, yeah. not all personalities need the same sort of hand-holding for as long as another employee. Some push for autonomy too quickly, and the leader needs to know how to rein them in and, and how to you know, guide them and hold them until they are aligned with, with the, doing the work the way it's required to be done. And if a leader doesn't know how to adapt their approach because they're hiring me just like me yeah. <laughs> type of employee, they're going to come out with a real deficit because at yeah. some point, even someone who is just like them is going to have a need different from theirs. For sure. So it's time for rapid fire. Ooh. What would you like our audience to take away in this short time that we've been together? What you know, one or two things would be your gift to them. I'll start. Um, the, the one that I always like to talk about is that what the understanding that whatever you might be struggling with, so in your interpersonal relationships, and so personally at work or at work, whatever that, that struggle is, there is a development path 
that will move you through it, right? So whether it's skill to be learned, it's self-awareness to be developed, it's other awareness to be developed, there is that learning opportunity. And I think so many folks, they hit that struggle point and then they go into that place of, well, I can't do anything about it. That's just who they are. That's just who I am. And, and we know we've seen it in our clients. We've seen it in ourselves. Uh, we use our families as our Petri dish. So we've seen it in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> to actually move through that development gap that, that we all have and, and to get to the other side of that struggle where it comes with ease and and um and so that it's possible. Hitting that potential is really possible. Oh, okay. How about you, Anne? The, the takeaway, um, and it's it's something that we talk a lot about in our dismantling dysfunction podcast, is that dysfunction is normal. Mm -hmm. Self-protective behavior is normal. Um, you know, we all have egos. We yeah. are all, you know, imperfect, perfect, you know, at any given time, we are who we are. But if, if our goal is to be perfect, then our goal is not to develop ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and so really looking at development of our authentic self and recognizing when we're just trying to adapt and putting energy into our ego, because that's the imposter syndrome. It's what it's yeah. all about. It's like we're, we limit ourselves by hoping that other people will approve of us as opposed to just saying, Hey, this is my raw I material. <laughs> I got to keep working it. I got to keep working it. And that's normal for human yeah. beings. Yeah. I love that because it is so true. You know, life gets boring if you just think uh, this is as good as it's going to get. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I just love, you know, I love doing the podcast because I'm constantly being educated, entertained and informed. And I, I think that, you know, and that's from the time I was young, I always wanted to do self-development because I, you know, grew up with with all kinds of uh, feelings of I'm not good enough kind of things. And so I thought I, I have to learn more because everybody else is smarter than me. And then I found out that I really like learning. So, uh, you know, embrace it. Right. Yeah. So what would your ideal client be? The person that's breathing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you talk about ideal, I mean, it, you know, we, we tend to work with folks who, you know, on some level, they see that there's a gap between what they believe is possible or, or what they're hoping for in their lives, again, whether it's personally or professionally, uh, around their career, around their business, around their personal relationships, um, and, and where they're at, and, and that they really want to navigate that, that gap that they're, they're experiencing and that frustration they're experiencing that things aren't coming or coming together. I always used to use it as I just want to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, so we're, we, you know, we, we work with clients that are motivated from that perspective where they recognize that there's, there's help that they need in order to close that gap and closing that gap is the most important thing to them. Yeah. And, and just to um, mirror back, Vicki, what you said is that you, your discovery that you had an appetite for learning and and those are the, our, our ideal clients are ones who who come and they're hungry they're hungry to know about themselves they're, they're hungry to find out more about how they can improve their relationships and how they can become professional leaders not just perfect or good leaders yeah, right. and parents and and the the understanding you know our own 
human drive for development and how it gets thwarted in so many people that when they come with that appetite already enlivened, it just makes for a wonderful mutual experience, but they move through it so much more quickly. Yeah. So the last thing is what advice do each of you wish you had at the start of your business? Uh, <laughs> man, that was so long ago. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think for me it was, uh, it, it would have been sort of understanding more about my, my style and my personality from that entrepreneurial lens. Um, and, and just be looking at myself a little bit more, I was so focused on my clients and my business that I think it was a little bit further into having the business for a few years. And we were playing a little bit of a catch up because, you know, you as the entrepreneur are the one that limits your business. And so if you're not developing and we were so focused, developing the offering and the products and the marketplace and all of those sorts of things that I don't think we spend enough time on our own development and then we played major catch-up so we did get there eventually but but I I, I think that that was for me more because again typical you're focused on the baby that you're building and, mm -hmm. and you need to really take care of yourself in the process from the beginning yeah and and for me it would have been um to to stop hiding out so much because my style is, is more introverted and I really like to be the person behind the scenes. But, you know, after a while, there's a real limitation <laughs> to allowing yourself to be the person behind the scenes. Right. Yeah, right. And, you know, as I say, they, it is allowing it because we, you know, even extroverts have ways of, of hiding out. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that was my particular brand of it. And, and so my advice to myself would be just go all in. Um, and not not start a, bit, a business with your imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and just accept that the imposter syndrome is going to come in and out, in and out, and just, oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> say yeah. hi and go bye. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you again. Yeah. Um, well, for those of you that have been just listening in and not watching this, I am going to be sharing my screen. So if you could just go quickly get your pen and paper as I will share my screen and give the contact information of the folks. As a reminder, though, it is will be it will be available on YouTube as well as my website. We have the website of HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash D R A. N I T S A R I S dash H I L L I A R D dot com. So that's Dranasaris Hilliard dot com. An easier one to remember is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash who are you meant to be dot com. Who are you meant to be dot com. They are on Instagram. Facebook using their name, Dranaceras Hilliard, or Twitter, Dysfunction Duo. <laughs> I love that one. On uh, LinkedIn, both of them are there by their names, Heather Hilliard or Anne Dranaceras. And I'll let either Anne or and Heather talk about 
what you have available um, regarding this driving styles assessment. Yeah, as we've talked about uh, today, the importance of learning the mechanics of your mind, how your brain is organized, the four functions and how you use those functions. We wanted to invite all of your listeners, Vicki, to have the opportunity to complete the Striving Styles Assessment, which will give them all of that really valuable information, as well as details about basically how they're hardwired to behave, mm. both when they're being self-protective and when they are self-actualizing. So able to get started on their own journey towards becoming who they are meant to be. So if you hop on over to our website, whoareyoumeanttobe.com and find the uh, link for the SSPS assessments, Vicki's got it here on the screen. But if you use the code leadership confidence, capital L leadership, capital C confidence, um, when you go through the purchase process and you will be able to get a 50% discount off the cost of the assessment. Awesome. Well, ladies, it has been just wonderful talking to both of you. And um, as I said at the start of this, I totally fascinated with personality um, assessments. I think from a hiring perspective, um, that's how I used it. It was very insightful. Um, I was hiring managers at a fast food restaurant and, uh, you know, not everybody is a people person. <laughs> and, and if you are a manager and you think you're going to stick inside your office and you're going to run a fast food thing, you're not going to be successful. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and also there are some people as you're promoting people, they might be excellent at what they do, but not really at that moment ready for management or maybe never, but you know, that, that there are things that you have to do as a leader that take relationships into account and personality and behaviors and things. And, and you need to understand that. So I think it's just an awesome way to get that starting gate for people to be able to know where do I need to develop? Where do I need to change and um, make myself a better leader and grow in your confidence? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> nice, nice tie in there. Yeah, Thank you so yeah. much. As always, um, I remind everyone to remember that life is a journey and it is up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.